<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to another edition of Full Measure After Hours. Today, a little told side of the story to the famous January 6th pro-Trump rally and Capitol riots with some fascinating twists and turns. It's been about two years since the infamous January 6th rally for President Trump and the subsequent rioting at the U.S. Capitol. It's become one of the most prosecuted events in U.S. history. About a thousand people have been charged with crimes. And of course, as you well know, there are a lot of people who claim that was an insurrection. They say, some of them, it was a bigger threat to America than the 9-11 Islamic extremist terrorist attacks, the September 11th attacks that killed nearly 3,000. But of course, there is another side. That side claims that Trump supporters have been unfairly targeted. And with everything we know now about misconduct by political figures and intelligence agencies and officials, particularly when it comes to Donald Trump and trying to defeat him and silence him, with all that we know, it's kind of surprising that this side of the story gets so little hearing. But, you know, I always like looking at underreported stories and angles, and boy, does January 6th qualify. The event has been so successfully propagandized that virtually nobody is willing to examine parts of the story that are little told, such as whether the FBI's heavy-handedness in prosecuting the cases, its use of SWAT teams against nonviolent suspects, and so on, whether that's out of line and politically motivated. Today in this podcast, you're going to hear at length from one nonviolent January 6th suspect, not a militia member, not anyone who committed great violence or even any violence. In fact, you'll hear he was urging people in the Capitol to remain calm and peaceful. Here is Trinus Evans. And I'm the founder of CondemnedUSA.com, and we're condemned if we do nothing. And what does CondemnedUSA.com do? I started out just being a place for people to tell their stories and put the information. The original idea is we were going to copycat the FBI website, and here's what the government said about you. Here's your chance to answer that. Except everybody's attorney told them, don't say anything anywhere. So nobody said anything anywhere. Um, Well, nobody. There was literally, I mean, there's only really to date even, you know, now a couple dozen of us that are really speaking out um, because they're scared. And rightfully so, the full weight of the federal government. But anyway, uh, before we go too far. It was a group intended to help yeah, or assist or draw attention to the January 6th just, event? Just let people tell their side of the story. And that was it. Just something so that it didn't just go on. I knew that this echo chamber and it came, you know, just keeps evolving in this, you know, the way it's going, that it would just become what it is, the narrative, essentially. So I wanted people to tell what they really saw and what happened. So that didn't work very well. Um and then I came to recognize that there was the legal representation that people were getting was disgusting. Uh, 
um, essentially the idea that they just lead you to the slaughter. So I've created, I went out and uh, actually turned into, for a while we were just doing it as a legal advocacy. Like um, I was, I think because I started speaking out on stages and at events, General Flynn, um, Clay Clark, General Flynn put me up and Mickey, well, it's actually Mickey Willis responsible for doing it um, uh, last year in November at uh, one of the Thrive, you know, one of his shows that he does. And this came through San Antonio. I was like, I gotta go, I gotta be there. These people gotta know what really happened. And I got, I was able to get close enough to them that they listened. And uh, Clay Clark broke his own rules, and they, nobody ever goes on stage, unknown speakers, and we never do it. Mickey and Clay had this huge fight, and I end up on <laughs> the stage. And uh, 13 minutes later, I'm still running my mouth about January 6th and what happened. So um, it was kind of unprecedented. But can you, can you give me a just a one paragraph background? about you yeah. just the relevant things i mean i Anti-political, know anti-political stay out of it married um 22 years my wife we raised two children 20 and 15 we're a golf family that's what we do my wife's critical care are in um i've worked in staffing uh, better part of 20 25 years um it's really been about the idea of uh, raising kids. Uh, we stay out of politics. We were, you know, lake on the weekend or at a golf tournament. You know, we were, we're lake people, the boat thing. And uh, we've been, never been in any, we've never been in any trouble. Um, our kids aren't in trouble. You know, nobody's in trouble. We're not, I've never been an activist or any of those things. If you're not politically active, how did you get politically active? I actually, so I sat and watched the election results like everybody else that night. I was like, you know, pretty hopped up. Like, all right, this is going to be good. I get to watch this. Never sat and watched the tallies come in. It's usually like, oh, I flip through and you can't avoid it on the channels. Like, oh, get this off here. Where can I get, you know, come on, give me some action. <laughs> and I was watching this stuff and then, it, you know, they stopped the counting. That was odd. I thought that was weird. Never seen it. It's unprecedented. Stop in the county. And then I sat and listened to more so. It was never about Donald Trump coming out and saying, um, they stole my election. I'm sorry. One person's not going to sway me. I'm sorry. You know, for that matter, I don't really like the things Donald Trump says. I like actions. And that's what's important to my politics. His words don't change my, my world. His actions do. So that being said, uh, seeing what I was seeing and listening to my fellow Americans and listen, watching them cover up windows and keep poll watchers away and um, I find out they're adjudicating one person adjudicates in a room we go to all this trouble to create all this uh, security there's so much security created around our election supposedly and man- monitoring the data and the information so that our vote is meaningful and that's the idea right and then you find out later somewhere along the way that then any of these adjudicated the ones that they have to go back in or they take them back to the room and they make a decision. This person's like, oh, that's how you voted. Click into story. That was appalling to me. Okay, so I get the whole. So you're seeing one thing after another that's casting yeah. doubt on the election. Did you conclude at some point that Donald Trump actually won the election? No, no evidence was ever heard in a court case. And people have this misconception. Oh, he lost all those court cases. no. He didn't. We, the people, lost all those court cases. Donald Trump didn't lose anything. I'm sorry. He's not the he's not the important figure in this election. We, the people, are the important figure in this election. How we're represented, he's certainly placed there as a as a representative, as a public servant of we, the people. So we, the people, lost all those court cases on standing that we supposedly didn't have, and that was disturbing to me. So if you didn't think he actually won the election, what was the problem? No, I, I didn't know whether he won the election or not. 
I'm not saying that he won the election. I never said he won. It was, I was never like Trump or die. It was always, okay, you've got to answer this. You can't not answer this for the people. We, the people, have a right to know and be certain and secure in the idea that our election was secure. That's the point. Okay, so January 6th, I went to I went there because I thought we were going to go to hear the president speak. I heard about this rally. I was excited about the rally. Like, okay, this is the one where something's actually going to happen. Like, they're going to, you know, they're going to hear this in the Electoral College. And I wanted to hear what the president had to say. And then I thought we would be out there. So I was well prepared to be out there, standing outside till 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. And I brought a megaphone because I wanted to be able to yell, stop the steal, and, you know, we the people, and whatever else. And, you know, I'd been to other events, and it's like your voice gets lost. And I was like, no, I want to be heard. (laughs) So um, I brought a megaphone. Then I get there, and I'm walking up the street. I see this mass of people, and you see smoke. And you hear these bangs. And a guy says to me, well, what, do you, what was that? I said, I don't know. I said, well, I don't even know what that was. And another person says, I think it's like ceremonial cannons or something. We're like, oh, okay, I don't know. I've never been to Electoral College. Maybe that's what it was. Let's go take a look. And you're looking at a sea of people. No one's even phased. Everyone's just moving forward. And that's, I understand the mens rea stuff now a little better now of what you just kind of like a lemming. <laughs> you just follow the crowd. I'm staring at the back of someone's head all the way up there. Was your intention to watch the vote that they were going to have to confirm yeah, I'm, well, I mean, I thought we, I didn't know if it's on a Jumbotron, if it's just watch it on your phone, but there's people everywhere. And then there's people in the building all over the place. They're going back and forth. And I thought that was odd. I mean, I just thought it was odd. There was like, they didn't look like, they looked abnormal. There's no question. I've always admitted that. Like, I'm not, you know, trying to hide something. But it looked like, you know, when the classes change and all the kids are going back and forth, that's what it looked like in the building. How did you get into the building? So there was a, there was a door. It's right here, both sides of it. And there's a big, long ramp to get to it. And this ramp's clogged up way back, like 50 deep. And the people are trying to come out, and some are going in. Man, that window was open. I could see the police inside doing giving people hugs, taking selfies with people. I told this to the FBI. I was like, I could see all this. See people giving hugs and selfies, and I'm like, mm, okay, I don't want to wait in the line, I'm going to hurry up and get to the protest or the demonstration or whatever you want to call it, and I buzz right on through the window. Stupid. I mean, that was the that was the part where that's, that was the grave error, right? I mean, it's like you really screwed up going through a window. Was there video of you doing that? Absolutely. I was taking video. I stood on the windowsill and, like, double-checked to make sure that the police were okay, like, that you're not getting in trouble for this. Like, no, police are okay. People were coming out of the building saying the police are letting us in. You can go in. You can just walk around. Everybody's taking videos. It's fine. I go in. I'm like, all right, National Anthem time. I'm in the Capitol. We're going to sing the National Anthem. I lead the National Anthem on a megaphone. Walk down one hallway that's, like, I don't know, maybe 50 yards, 70 at the most. I don't even think it's that. And, I, and you come to the crypt. This is an exterior hallway along the outer perimeter of the building. And I go, go in there, and there's people just kind of walking around in there. And there's some officers, like, staged at these exits in that room, or I guess they go into other places. And it didn't look, I didn't see anyone going that way. And it looked like the officers were there, like, to tell you not to go that way. So I just stayed in that room. <laughs> and I was, and then I saw someone carrying stuff around. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, what, you know, like, this is, no. And then I heard some, did hear some people saying, like, the, you know, some things that I, did, I didn't agree with. So I wanted to make sure and quickly remind people, hey, we're peaceful demonstrators. You know, and I took to the megaphone. We back the blue. We support the police. Don't break. Don't damage. Don't harm. 
harm, don't steal. This is a peaceful protest. Because I know that we're only constitutionally protected if we're peaceful. If you do anything else, you're not constitutionally protected. And I even told the police officer that and that I spoke with. And it's on video. I said, you know, he said, so we don't want anyone getting hurt or destroying anything. I said, sir, I don't see anyone destroying anything. And if they hurt us, they're violating the Constitution. Which goes to, you know, my mindset was I was there to demonstrate. I was there for peaceful demonstration and making sure it stayed peaceful so that I could continue to demonstrate. my. And so. how, how did you leave that day? So I turn around and I go back down the same way that I came, th- that I came and I see this window on the way. And I look over and I see this window and I'm like... Wow, look at that. You can see all the picture people, the picture, you know, mile in the distance coming up. You can see the police with their perimeter where it was a no-go zone and no one was going through it. And you can see the sea of people outside. I was like, I got to get a picture of this. So I go get my picture and I wave outside. I'm thinking, it's like, man, I'm getting the Time Magazine shot and the guy in the window, you know. And I come back down and this guy's drinking a shot of whiskey. Well, I don't know about you, but I, I, when I go to these things, you go to a 12-hour event, it's like a tailgate party. People were singing, laughing, having fun. There was prayer. It was good stuff. I didn't see any violence. I never saw... How would you ever think? I'd been to a bunch of Trump rallies. I never saw anyone, you know, the Stop the Steal stuff. I never went to a Trump rally until after the election, by the way. So, after November 4th. And I never saw anyone fighting or any problem or violence. And so, it was like a very comfortable environment to have a drink and everybody's real polite. And it's like a tailgate. Right. Tailgate parties. I can see where they get off and get to the idea of I can see an American person like looking at this going, this was so disrespectful. You guys are doing that. You're drinking. OK, I'll give you that. Disrespectful. Disrespectful is not against the law. All right. I didn't do anything in that moment that's additionally breaking the law. Like I was already broke the law by knowingly entering and remaining restricted, but I didn't. It's a knowingly entering remaining in a restricted building. It's I didn't. I, it's like this whole thing is really difficult because it's like. I knew I was going in a building I shouldn't have gone in. I didn't know what the right terminology, how that would fit, and ignorance of the law is no excuse, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't want to, you know, paint a picture of me saying that I'm not accepting the fact that I broke the law. I, would, I want to own the fact that I broke the law, and I think we should all own the fact that we broke the law. But it's a civil disobedience for 99% of the people there. For the 90, you know, 90% of the people that went in that building, it's, it's like a civil okay. disobedience issue. So you left. I'm leaving, and I and this guy shows me this. He says, hey, look at this Twitter statement. President Trump's t- texting through Scalise, Dan Scalise's, uh, or Steve Scalise's Twitter. And it was like, okay. And I read it all, and I'm like, yeah, I, I believe this would be President Trump. It's stay peaceful, respect the great men and women in blue. And I read that statement on the Capitol steps to the crowd. We actually got affidavits came back in my case from people that said, I didn't go up those steps. I didn't. We were going to go up and go in the building because so many people were said they were going. I didn't go because of what this man did on the steps reading this, telling people to go home. I myself set the example at that moment and went home. So the police came to my home on January 17th, or the, the FBI came walking down my steps. I thought they were like uh, Jehovah's Witness or something like, you know, Sunday afternoon kind of thing. And uh, I was like, no, no, thanks. I don't want any. The FBI um, turned out to be uh, Mr. Mr. This is Agent John Garman, FBI. I'm like, oh, geez. I, okay. I'm, you know, I'd seen the raids. I'd seen what was happening. And he said, well, no, we just want to talk to you. We're not here to arrest you. We know you're there. I said, yes, I was there. I took video. I was in the building. I got all the, here you go. Here's everything. I mean, what do you want? I mean, my attorney told me not to like go through questioning with you guys. Here's her number. We'd like to get together. Whatever you need to do. If I need to go with you, like, you know, no problem. Oh, no, sir. We're okay. Shake hands. Thank you so much for telling us, you know, the truth. And we appreciate you. And we'll get in touch with your attorney and we'll meet. Okay, great. 
and you'll probably need to bring this and it don't delete anything. No, no, sir. We, I understand she's already explained to me. So I called an attorney on the way home. Like I was scared to death after I heard what Joe Biden said. March, the, we're still waiting. My attorney, I'm calling her like twice a week. Well, when are we going? Do they call? What's going on? Because she's like, look, they're probably not interested in you. You've helped. You were a misdemeanor. There's really no reason to take an interest in you. You know, I don't think they're going to be interested. They've got real things to deal with. People that fought the police. People broke stuff, stole stuff. So what's, they're going to deal on that. Okay. Here. So that was the next time you heard from them? That was the next time we ever heard from them. My attorney's calling them like twice a week. Like, hey, what's going on? Hey, what's with my guy? What, what are we doing? Um... And I just, that was crazy. They, they put my wife and my child at gunpoint for a guy that was like cooperating and telling them, like, oh, okay, whenever you need, I'll bring it in. We won't delete anything. You know it. Was and, that the video I saw of, looked like a dozen agents around your house? Oh, it's a lot more than that. Yeah. So there was 20 plus agents there. They had snipers. They had vehicles to walk off the street. There were the fire truck, ambulance sheriff's cars i mean it was insane and your 13 year old son is out on the front deck with his yeah. hands up yeah my wife in her bathrobe i mean this was all part of the shock and awe they promised everybody it wasn't only shock and awe and how they came to your house it was shock and awe in the charging too shock and awe across the board and i think they got so out of hand and now they're having to back it up by sticking to this stuff and coming after things like seditious conspiracy which they know aren't true so what's the status of your case today the, the facts remain this I was peaceful when I went in. I urged other people to be peaceful. I went into the building. I helped the police by telling people to be peaceful. I, I drove a thousand miles across the country to say what I had to say, and I abandoned that upon entering the building and recognizing that some people didn't have the same mindset. I abandoned that and got on their side of the police and stopped that because, I mean, I'm not on the, not on the side of the police but and focused on that. Then... I did it yet again as I'm leaving the building. I'm helping the police yet again, telling people, hey, we're back to blue and support the police. Then I'm telling people to leave the grounds on the steps. All of that and none of that counts for anything. I'm just another violent and horrible insurrectionist like the rest of them, another treasonous, but no good, dirty bastard. Did you plead to something? Yeah, knowingly entering and remaining in a restricted building. After they drug my name through the mud and all this insurrection and all that, 23 years in prison, et cetera, et cetera, we're at knowingly entering and remaining in a restricted building. What kind of time could you get? Up to a year is the max. My guidelines for no criminal history is zero to six. And they're actually putting people in prison. They're taking people away from their families, responsible taxpayers away from their family. This isn't how we've ever treated anything else before. I can show you 300 cases where we can look at how they've been adjudicated. We've put together for how they handled these other matters during the summer of love in the past five years. And you're talking about people felony assault on a police officer doing 12 months probation. And I'm so bad. My actions are so heinous. I got to do prison time and three or four years of, of uh, probation. It's not the normal practice. It's not how we go after people, even on a simple felony, something nonviolent crime. You know, this is how we go after people. I'll, I'll never forget being in the FBI building and they took me to the same room. Like, and there was a picture of El Chapo in the booking room. They're like, oh, you're booked in the same room as El Chapo. And I'm like, well, that's me. He probably treated me about the same too. That's great. Yeah, we're, we have a similar history, me and El Chapo, right? <laughs> Do you have a word to say about the people who, what have you been able to find out about the people who are still being held or who've already been adjudicated and serving time for January 6th? Look, some, some of the situations here are really difficult to discuss because they have some ongoing matters. The ones that are already serving time, you're telling me a college student that sat in a chair it's more, you know, I think, you know, so even we've seen some of the mainstream media cover this and you've even seen some of the left start to come back on it. You're going to tell me that sitting in a chair peacefully, not destroying, not breaking, not damaging, is a criminal offense for a first offender worthy of prison time? 
literally worthy of prison time? Somebody's got their head screwed on crooked. And I believe this. I believe the judges have shown great bias in this. And I believe that if there's any meaningful situation ever comes of this, that there will be, uh, we will, these judges will be looked at. I think their statements of bias are abhorrent. And I think Congress, if we actually have a meaningful Congress that actually finds justice, should reprimand these people. And now I can't say how that's done because I'm not you know, an expert on that. But I have to been in touch with all the members of the House and Judicial Ethics and uh, Judiciary Committees, our House and Senate uh, committees. So I, I have made my position very clear with them. I have told them and I have shown them statements saying this is what's being said from the bench. This is absurd. How can you do this? How can you advance these cases right now when the, you, the responsibility of all officers of the court is that you uphold the constitutional rights of all persons going through the system? This is clearly not upholding their constitutional rights. This is a deprivation of their constitutional rights to know that there's evidence that exists. Whether Congress will give it to you or not, that's not the problem. The fact remains that the evidence exists. So for your willingness, knowingly and willfully pushing and advancing these cases, in my opinion, it's rather suspect. And it borders in the areas of a, a violation of the rules of professional conduct. Not knowing what's going to happen yet, to, as of today, what would you say? What is your plan? I'm going to fight like hell. I'm going to fight like hell. And if they put me in prison, then I'm going to fight like hell from there. And when they put me in, if I get out of prison, I'm going to fight like hell again. There's future generations. I have children. I'm not going to sit and watch this third world tyrannical nonsense go on in my country and just sit back and let it happen. Look, I'm not fighting for Donald Trump. I'm not fighting for some elected uh, representative. I don't like to even call them officials. They're servants of public servants. I'm not fighting for these people. I'm fighting for my country. And when I say fight, I mean in the courts. You know, there was at one time they said, I was out fighting with a megaphone. I'm I'm fighting with a microphone now and I'm fighting I'm coming here I'm talking to you I'm reaching bigger audiences I'm telling more tr I'm telling the truth in a more meaningful way I'm not getting anything done in an echo chamber of people out there listening to me with a megaphone that all believe the way I believe I want to hear people from both sides of the aisle I want to hear people my American citizens the neighborhood Democrat and Republican just listen to us and hear a meaningful thought and say is this right I didn't go there for an insurrection where's my gun you mean the most armed populace on the face of the planet came for an insurrection you know, by percentage, you know, they came for an insurrection and didn't bring any firearms. And they keep saying, oh, they were armed. Like two people had a pistol or something. And, we're, and we never saw them. You know, no one shot anyone. Look, four people were murdered on January 6th. I contend. I have an opinion in my, I'm allowed to write to have that opinion. I believe that those people that died, Roseanne Boylan, Ashley Babbitt, Kevin Greeson, and Benjamin Phillips, that could have been avoided. If the January 6th rally had gone... According to peaceful plan, and there people had marched to the Capitol, but maybe not entered the building or been invited in, and nobody became violent. How would things be today? Do you think? I always wonder: Did I have an impact on doing what I actually wanted done by being there, by going? You know, because of what I didn't think about at the time going on. But like I said, I followed people. There was no barrier. There was zero barrier for me to know that, that I couldn't go. All I had is the back of heads to follow to where we were going. I chose to go in, like I said, chose to go in the building on the balcony. But there's so many people inside. The police are there. I mean, how do you they go, what the alarm was going? After that interview, Trennis Evans was sentenced to several days in prison for the misdemeanors. After all the money he had to spend on lawyers, after being smeared, his name dragged through the mud after the armed FBI raid on his home and his family. Now, for the other side of the story, you can, well, find that almost everywhere. 
Even many Republicans in Congress are afraid to take on the subject. It's been so successfully controversialized, and some of them are afraid they might even be targeted or arrested, even if no charges ever come of it. That could be damaging. Mission accomplished as far as the anti-Trump folks are concerned. One interesting file that you might want to read is the Department of Justice list of January 6th suspects and how the cases are going. It includes all of the criminal complaints, the documents, there's some photographs in there of what these people did or how they were captured on surveillance video and so on. The website for that is justice.gov slash USAO dash DC slash capital. That's spelled C-A-P-I-T-O-L dash breach dash cases. But even easier, you can pretty much just go online and search January 6th or Jan 6th and DOJ and this file will come up. However you feel about January 6th, I think it's hard not to compare that to the no time in jail that an FBI attorney got for doctoring a document to illegally wiretap Carter Page, a Donald Trump campaign associate. And the case of the multiple abuses and lapses by the FBI of wiretap applications as discovered in a fairly small sampling that implied most, if not all, of their applications tend to be deficient. Nobody was punished for that with the FBI. And of course, there's the case of the ex-FBI Director James Comey, who was referred for criminal charges to the Department of Justice by the Inspector General for his mishandling of classified documents and material in his effort to harm his political foe, Donald Trump. The Department of Justice, I guess not surprisingly, decided to take a pass and not charge James Comey, even though there were those recommendations. The long list of what seemed to be double standards goes on. You can watch my TV show, Full Measure, Sunday, January 8th, for more on all of this, including questions on the role of FBI informants and agents who were working undercover in the crowd at the Capitol on the day of January 6th. To watch Full Measure or find out where you can see it, you can go to CherylAggison.com, click the Full Measure tab, and you will see a list of cities and stations and times. You can also watch live or replays at fullmeasure.news. To watch live, you go to fullmeasure.news at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time on Sundays, and you should see a live option pop up there. Or you can even type in after fullmeasure.news forward slash live, and that will take you to the live feed. And then about noon on Sundays, we post all the segments from the TV program at fullmeasure.news. And lastly, we have a great app that's free called STIRR, S-T-I-R-R, You can watch Full Measure live or on demand on STIR. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Check out my other podcast, the Cheryl Ackeson podcast. And if you like what you hear, I hope you leave a great review and share it with your friends. Don't forget, you can support good journalism and independent reporting causes by going to CherylAckeson.com clicking the store tab and choosing from some pretty cool gifts with interesting slogans for free thinkers. Do your own research, make up your own mind. Think for yourself.